You're listening to New Spring Radio with Hector Velarde, pastor of Calvary New Spring Church in San Antonio, Texas. The guy, after having not walked for who knows how long, let's just say one year, it was more than likely longer, but let's just say he hasn't walked for a year. With his muscles having been atrophied and with his muscle tone having been gone and debilitated, here he gets right up and walks. Like, what happened? Like, how did did things just begin to reconstruct and it was like a instant physical therapy that took place like that? I think so. There are many amazing things about the story of the lame man who was healed. The man who hadn't walked, and who knows how long, was able to get up and walk around without any problem. The healing of Jesus was complete and instantaneous. This is the same when it comes to salvation, our spiritual healing. In today's message, Pastor Hector will be sharing about the incredible miracle that Jesus performed. There are many things that we can learn about the character of Christ as we read this story. Now. Here's Pastor Hector in the book of Mark chapter 2 as he continues his message, A Divine Declaration. What would happen, I'll try to describe it for you, is that they would bring, you would bring an animal to be sacrificed. And that animal, not you, but that animal would be inspected and it would be deemed good enough to be sacrificed. So the priest would have to inspect it for spot and for blemish. And if it passed, then that animal was, was said to be good enough to be sacrificed. The priest would then place a knife in your hand, in your right hand most likely. And with the left hand, you would hold the head of the animal. And I'm, I'm just painting the picture for so that you know why when he says your sins are forgiven you, they're like, there's no sacrifice here. There's no shedding of blood yet. There's like, what's going on? Because they're used to seeing this. And so you'd place the, your hand on the head of, of this animal and, and with the priest's hand and your, your hand on the knife, you would, you would slowly begin to sacrifice this animal. And as you did, you would feel the life of that animal leave right before your eyes. And, and you would hear it begin to kind of choke on its own blood. And, and, and you were sacrificing this animal. And thus then the blood would be collected in a golden bowl. And, and then the rest of the ceremony would go on. It had other parts to it. But all of this would happen so that you could receive forgiveness of sins. But here Jesus says, I can forgive sins. And they, without a doubt, they're looking around and they're saying, where's the sacrifice? How is he forgiving sins? There is no sacrifice. There is no blood being shed. There is no forgiveness of sin without what? The shedding of blood. Right? And so they're like, this can't be, and this is alarming. And thus leads the scribes to think something. Notice what they're thinking there. It says in verse 6 that they're reasoning in their hearts. They are thinking, why is this guy saying that he can forgive sins if only God can forgive them? And it is a great question. What Jesus said went completely against what they believed. This cannot be the the sacrificial system. You got to remember, was there to appease God. 
it's the way that sin was forgiven, and thus he and only he would forgive sins. Here we see kind of an unfolding, if you will, a revelation, a declaration of who Jesus is and what he came to do. This is it. Yes, the miracles are great. The casting out of demons is awesome and needful. But this is why Jesus came. And in some ways, I can understand why these guys are alarmed. It was something new. They weren't used to seeing this or hearing this from somebody. But you know, even though it's something new, it shouldn't have been something foreign to them. And I say it shouldn't have been foreign because they knew the scriptures. We're talking about the religious people who spent their life dedicated to studying the word, and they knew what Zechariah 9.9 says. I'll read it to you. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. He is just and having salvation. Like, they knew that the Messiah was going to come and that the Messiah was going to forgive sin, that, that, that he was going to be the one to do this. Like, they had scripture, and that's just one of many scriptures. And so though it was new, it shouldn't have been foreign to them. It's one thing to read it, but you know what? It's another thing to hear it audibly, right? Like, okay, this is who Messiah is, but then all of a sudden somebody stands up and says, yeah, I can forgive sins. You're like, wait, 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 that, I wasn't ready for that. And so in some ways I understand why these guys are alarmed and this religious group is gathered, they're alarmed, they're concerned, and Jesus picks up on it. Look at what verse 8 says. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, you are to say, arise, take up your bed, and walk. Now, whether Jesus used his divine nature or his spiritual gift of discernment to like know that these guys were, were, were thinking these things in their heart, we don't know. But just the fact that he was able to read their mind should have tipped them off as to who he was. Like, wait a minute, who... He just, how did he just know what I was thinking? Like that alone should have made them think, okay, this guy is different. This is, this is not your average person. It's interesting, but it seems that our human instinct, is it not, is to doubt, is to kind of question or to wonder whether things are true or not. Like, hey, who is this guy? And that's what these guys do in their minds. And so Jesus, knowing this, he asks them, what's easier? To say to the paralytic, now he's not done with him. He knows that these guys know their Bible, so to speak. And because he's not done with them, look at what he tells them. He says, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed, and walk? These are, are great questions for two reasons. Number one is that it would be easy to forgive something that was invisible to them, right? I mean, I could look to you and say your sins are forgiven you and none the wiser. I mean, are they or aren't they? And, and it would have been easy and thus he makes them think, what if he heals them also? What if he heals this guy? Would you then believe? 
right? Because I could tell you something, and, and you're like, well, I don't know if that's true, but then what if he was to also heal him? Which is easier, one or the other? He kind of puts them on the spot, does he not? He's like, so, so, so what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to arise and take your bed and walk? One you can see, the other you can't. One you can accept because you see it, the other one you got to take in faith. And so he's putting these guys on the spot. But two, it's also a great question because most illness and most disease, and see, these guys knew that. Most illness, most disease was thought to be a, a result of sin. Remember the blind man in John chapter 9? John's the only one who gives it. That None of the other gospels shares this story, but it's in John chapter 9. Jesus and his disciples, are, they're walking around in Jerusalem, and they see a man who has been blind from birth, the Bible says. The disciples, now I, I found this to be interesting because I would expect this question to come from the Pharisees and the scribes. But these words come out of the mouth of the disciples, which tells me that it was something that was common in this time. They, they look around and they ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The rabbis, they would use Psalm 103, and it's verses 2 to 3, as a proof text of this belief. They believe that if you were born ill, it was a result of sin, and that first you needed to have your sins forgiven, and then you needed to be healed. And they would use Psalm 103 that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases. And so because of that, they would take that and see, see first there's got to be forgiveness of sins and then a healing of Diseases, And so they, they ask, they, they, they believe that forgiveness preceded healing. And Jesus, knowing this, he kind of backs them up against a wall. And he says, all right, well, what's easier then? To say that your sins are forgiven or to tell him? Because if he does that, then he is proving who he is to these guys. The religious leaders could, they could handle miracles. They could handle healings because riddled throughout the Old Testament and in other places, miracles are just there. We see a lot of miracles and they could do that, but forgiveness of sin was something that only God did. And Jesus is in essence saying, I am God. I am Messiah and I'm here to forgive people their sins. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, just, just awesome. And so he, he, he poses a question to them, right? Which one is easier to say? This one or that one? Now let's look at how they respond to this question. Look at verse 10. It says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. How did they respond? Notice that Jesus did not give them an opportunity to respond. Perhaps it was a rhetorical question. Perhaps it was a question that did, not, that, that did not need a response. Maybe he was trying to make a point and not so much get an answer from them. He, he wasn't like, let's, let's debate this. What's better? What's easier? But instead he poses the question and then he now is going to act. Jesus refers to himself, look at as the 
son of man. And I love that because he could have said, I'm the king of the Jews. I am master of all. He could have used a lot of words, but this phrase, son of man, it frees himself from any other thing that would kind of raise an eyebrow from every kind of political opportunity. If he said, I'm the king of the Jews, that would then kind of put him on a political platform. And he didn't want to do that. And so he just refers back to son of man, Daniel chapter 7. You're familiar with that. It's that son of man who is going to be coming, who's going to be redeeming, who's going to be gathering his, his, his sheep. I mean, that's, that's who he, he says that he is. I am the son of man. And he goes over to the paralytic and tells him, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Now, this is huge. Now, now the people that are there listening, they they have a decision to make. Because remember why they all gathered more than likely to receive healing and miracles and casting out of demons? Now Jesus has coupled that with forgiveness of sins. And so now they're having to make a decision. Are we coming to Jesus for physical healing or spiritual? Why are we here? Why are you here? We'll kind of close with that question, but but why are they they're having to answer that? Because most were there for the physical. But here Jesus reveals that the real problem, which is always a problem, is a problem of the heart. It's the human heart. I mean, th- this guy could have remained paralyzed, but if he would have received spiritual healing, he was free and free indeed. Right? But, but now they're having to decide, and let's see what this guy does. Everybody's looking at it. Think about the scene. They're all looking at, at the sky. All eyes on the, are on this paralytic. Is he going to get up? Right? Is, is, he, is he healed? Is this a hoax? What's going on? Right? Everybody is wondering what's about to happen. And verse 12 says, And immediately he arose, he took up the bed, and he went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we, ha- we never saw anything like this. In an instant, he was healed. It was a miracle. And just like that, the guy walks away. Now, to understand the extent of this miracle in particular, I think I, I haven't, if you've been with us through Mark chapter 1, I haven't kind of dug deep into miracles because how can I describe them to you? Like, how can I tell you that he cleansed a leper? Like, it doesn't tell us. But there's something that I find interesting about this miracle that I'd like for you to consider with me is that have you ever broken a bone and had a cast? Or perhaps, uh, I know when I was a teen, I tore my ACL and, and thus I needed rehab. But if you've ever torn a ligament, if you've ever broken a bone, been in a cast, you know what happens to that body part whenever it's not in use for a length of time, right? What happens to it? It atrophies or it becomes debilitated. You, you know, you begin to lose what muscle tone in that body part. You begin to lose strength. And it usually requires, at least for us nowadays, physical therapy, right? To kind of help teach you. I remember I didn't do it, but I was supposed to do physical therapy. 
And, and, and you go and they kind of help you exercise to kind of gain and to build all the muscle strength around. And it, it is a lengthy process to kind of get things back in order. But here, notice what happens. The guy, after having not walked for who knows how long, let's just say one year. We, it was more than likely longer. But let's just say he hasn't walked for a year. With his muscles having been atrophied and with his muscle tone having been gone and debilitated, here he gets right up and walks. Like, what happened? Like, how did, did things just begin to reconstruct and it was like an instant physical therapy that took place like that? I think so. It was something of the sort. This was a tremendous testimony. This was a tremendous proof of what Jesus was doing in the lives of the people. But you know what? Even though that sounds, and I built it up for a reason, because even though that sounds miraculous, and it is, and even though that sounds just crazy and just awesome, the best part had already happened. He had already been forgiven of his sins. Like, that's more awesome to me. That's like more miraculous that there is somebody who can say, son, your sins are forgiven you and you are then 100% cleansed of all of your sin. I'll close, we're running out of time here, by asking a kind of a thought-provoking question. Notice with me here in this last verse, that the people there, we don't know who they are. It just tells us that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, look at what they say. We never saw anything like this. Were they talking about the forgiveness of sins or the healing of this paralytic? It's a good question, isn't it? I never asked myself that until recently. What is it? I I, I don't know. It it doesn't tell us, but I am led to believe that they were talking about the physical because the guy has just gotten up, right? He, He just, I mean, again, no physical therapy needed. He just got up and he took off. But, but get this, what if one person that was sitting there that day, maybe he was one of the ones peeking through the window What if that one person was more amazed with the forgiveness of sins? And he's like, I can't believe it. I have a lot of sins that I need forgiven. And he's telling me he can forgive sins. Perhaps for one person in that room, that kind of light turned on. And now he knew this is Messiah. And he's here to forgive our sin. He's here to forgive our iniquities. And man, do I need that. What if? I'm, I'm hopeful that one person, at least one person, walked away saying Jesus came to forgive man of his sins. And on the way, he just does so much more, like heal paralytics. Like that, but, but he's here to heal sins. This ex-paralytic, we can call him now, whether he was there against his will or not, we, we will never know until we see him. But he had one need on his mind, 
for a very long time. How can I be set free of this illness, of this handicap? Like, how, how, can, how can this thing leave me? I want to walk again. He'd see his friends playing and running and jumping and walking, and he'd be like, can I just do that? And he has this thought in his mind, and without a doubt, he would wonder whose sin caused him to receive this palsy because that was the thought of the day. But this is key, and I don't want you to miss this. We can read this entire story, and it's a great one indeed, and conclude that he needed physical healing and forget that his greatest need was spiritual. Because did you know that there was a spiritual side to this man? Did you know that the side of this man's story, we don't get it in our text. But who was this man before he was forgiven? If he was married, was he an adulterer? Perhaps he's carrying that shame with him. If he was a businessman, was he operating with dishonest weights and measures? I mean, is, is, is he that kind of man? If he was a father, was he cruel and abusive to his children? And, you know, I can go on and on with these questions, but you see, we often see the physical need of a person and rarely take time to consider the spiritual. We want to bring, like his four friends did, people to Jesus so that he can solve their issues. And God says, wait a minute, I want to forgive his sins first. Like, I want to deal with that part before I even deal with the other. I want to encourage you to always consider somebody's invisible malady before his or her visible one, because that's what God wants to deal with first. What's going on in the spiritual realm? Jesus wants to deal with that first. Oh, and on the way, he may heal physically or, or not. I mean, he decides that. But the spiritual is what really matters. And so having said that, perhaps there's, there's some here who have received spiritual forgiveness. You know what it's like to have Jesus take all that shame and all that hurt and all those things that, that we once were defined by. And he just takes them and he gets rid of them and he forgets them. And you no, lang- no longer have to walk in that condemnation of sin, but can you continue to suffer from some sort of physical need. And you're like, well, yeah, I have that part, but I'm still in need of some physical healing. I, I need you to know that the God who healed this man is still at work today. And if he chooses, and that's kind of the key, if he chooses, he can set you free from illness. But if he doesn't, and this is a big but, but if he doesn't, can you still raise a hallelujah in the middle of the storm? Could you? Say, Lord, I raise the hallelujah. I, I love you. Can you say what you've done is enough, Lord? Thank you. I, I pray that you will. Because perhaps your malady will, will not be healed. Perhaps it will. We don't know. But what you really needed, he already did. But two, you might be here and you, you, you haven't received physical or spiritual healing as of today. And you find yourself kind of maybe raising an angry fist at the Lord because he hasn't answered your request, whether it be personal or for somebody else. 
I need you to know that your greatest need is forgiveness of sin, just like this man in the story. And you need to just come to him with all your baggage, with all your sin, with all your shame. And you just let him heal you first spiritually. Like let him deal with that part. And who knows, perhaps on the way he will also address your physical need as well. It's our God. It's what he does. And today he made this divine declaration and saying, I am he who forgives sins. Thanks for joining Pastor Hector Velarde today on New Spring Radio. Pastor Hector has been working his way through the book of Mark. Within this gospel book, you'll learn more and more about how Jesus came to be a servant to all. While many people are looking to be served, that wasn't Jesus's goal in coming to earth. He came to serve in his life and especially in his death. Jesus came as a servant to mankind, willing to lay down his life for the sake of humanity. It's an example that should be highly praised and something everyone should want to follow by his example. Serving is greater than being served. What are some of your thoughts from what you've heard today? We'd like to hear from you. If you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at office at calvarynewspring.com. That's office at calvarynewspring.com. Perhaps you're more of a phone person. You can call us too. Our number is 210-530-9673. One more time, that's 210-530-9673. If you're simply interested in hearing this message again or others like it, head over to calvarynewspring.com. Just look under the Messages tab. We love to serve the community around us. And if you're in the area, it would be such a blessing for you to join us this weekend. All the information you need, including service times and directions, are on our website, calvarynewspring.com. Thanks for listening to New Spring Radio.